Hello, everybody. What's good to all my universal people and those in galaxies near and far? Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Chris Cypher73 Cabrera. This is show number 34. Uh, I want to welcome a returning guest. Uh, he's a sports analyst, managing editor for JustBaseball.com, and host of the awesome podcast Locked on Mets, the only daily podcast on the New York Mets. Mets. I'd like to uh, welcome returning guest Ryan Finkelstein. How you doing, my man? Doing good, doing good. Fired up for a start of another season. So excited about opening day this week. Yeah, me too, brother. It's been too long. But uh, you were on episode 14. That was uh, last October 5th, and a lot has happened since then. Um, first off, uh, you got engaged. And I don't know if you got married yet. Are you married yet, or are you still uh, in- At the end of next month, April 29th. Okay. Congratulations, my man. Um, Thank you. To start off kind of on a sour note... <laughs> The last time we talked, the Mets handed over the division to the Braves pretty much. Um, we went to the wild card to play against a stacked San Diego, and we didn't make it out of that. Um, so the first question is, uh, and, and and you don't have to go into depth, but what was the reason for the meltdown those last couple of months? You know, I, I think you look back and it, it, September was rough, obviously. Starla Marte going down was was a, a big reason why I think the Mets ultimately lost the division. I think if you have Marte, you figure the fact that they ended up tying with the Braves. I imagine they win at least one more game if they had Marte aboard. But I think there was something that kind of psychologically, it, it seemed like just was different after they clinched. I don't know, you know, clinched the playoffs, I mean. Uh, where they didn't they didn't celebrate it and they were just trying to make that push and they couldn't seal the deal. And I think the fact that they didn't seal the deal, it kind of led to maybe a little bit of doubt as they got to October. And it just it never felt like it was going to come together and they were going to make a deep run. It kind of felt like a defeatist attitude, in my opinion, that entire weekend. It was just a weird playoff series. So uh, I think it was a good learning experience for that team. You come back different. I think they're a little bit better. Um, and we'll see if they can navigate the season better and finish stronger. I think that's kind of the most important thing, maybe not to get so tired with the season as you see a Phillies team where the Phillies let the Mets and the Braves beat up on each other. And then come the playoff time, they were just playing carefree and, and they ended up making that run. Right, 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 right. And and uh, would you attribute the depth also? Because, I mean, we I know we picked up uh, Ruff, uh, Vogel back, but I mean, to me, those weren't strong enough like pickups. But I mean, I guess if that was available, you know, that's what they had to do. But I, I didn't like the depth that we had either. Yeah, I think down the stretch, you know, and Marte's injury kind of, you know, brought it to the surface more because suddenly you're weaker against left-handed pitching. That That's one big part of it. And, and two, you know, Tyler Naquin's getting out there a lot and, and they just, their outfield kind of got thin. So uh, I do think that like Vogelback was a nice addition, but you look at the team last year and, and you compare it to what they have now, you're pre- pretty much rolling the same team with like Tommy Pham and Omar Narvaez. I, I think the question is, you know, last year was probably premature for the kids to step up. We saw all of them, but it was probably premature. The question this year is, you know, when will you see Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, and Francisco Alvarez? And can those guys kind of take the team over the top? Or is this a team that, didn't get Correa that still needs to make that big splash to find that extra bat at the deadline. All right, cool, cool. Well, all right, so we're going to get into all the Beatty, Vientos, and all that stuff. <laughs> all right, so uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about, because then after that, you know, obviously then the offseason kicks in, and then you have the the, the winter meetings, so on and so forth. Um, 
I never thought <laughs> I could imagine a team without Degrom. So, yeah. in your wildest dreams, what what were your thoughts on that? Um, that whole yeah. thing, the 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 deal, and <sighs> just go ahead and say what you got to say. <laughs> it, it was, you know. It's it's rough because it's funny when, when Degrom was a Met, you spent all the time kind of defending it, like defending the fact that he wasn't available, and then he leaves. Justin Verlander comes in, and now it's like, okay, well, we see the vision, right? We see what they were trying to do. They 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 kind of knew that they had Verlander in their back pocket. Two years of Verlander is a lot less risky for a franchise than five years of Degrom. At the same time, if Jacob Degrom proves to be healthy this year. That does still suck. Like there, it can it could be both things. The Mets could be better off in the long run. It could have been the smart decision to make, and it still sucks seeing Jacob Degrom pitch in a Rangers uniform. I think it, you know. So so when it happened, obviously as a Mets fan, I was devastated to see. Oh come on, like that guy's not going to finish career at the Mets. Like that sucks. But then forty eight hours later, Verlander's a Met, and you got Scherzer and Verlander, and now Kodai Senga, and you're still excited about this season. So right. I, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, and the fact is, is Degrom still injured? Because I know he injured himself in spring. So do you know if he's, he's going to make his start? I, it looks like he's. I don't know if he's going to make it opening day per se. I haven't seen if the Rangers announced that, but he he's not going to start the season on the injured list. I don't think. I think he'll be whether he might be kind of ramping himself up and might be you know seventy pitches early. Uh, it seems like that little hiccup he had at the start of spring uh, didn't result in anything. But again, the mm-hmm. fact that he had a hiccup and Justin Verlander's throwing ninety pitches. You know, that, that kind of shows you the difference where I think the Mets are more confident that this year they're going to get, you know, 50-plus stars from Scherzer and Verlander than they would be their end of the season with Scherzer and DeGrom. Right. All right, so so those fans that don't go as deep as, like, let's say you and I, um, you just wake up one day and DeGrom's not on the team. You don't know that there was, like, this sort of negotiation process. How did that process go down? Because as far as I know, the Mets tendered him a deal then the Rangers did, and then I don't know if they, the Mets came back with another one. If he just went and he just signed with the Rangers, how did that whole thing go down? Do you know? So you know, it, it's it's tough for me to speak on it as if I'm I'm reporting because I I don't have any information on it, but I can tell yeah. you kind of my take on it based on the tea leaves that were left, right? And so, I, I, if I remember the numbers correctly, the Mets side offered him like a three year, hundred twenty million dollar deal. I do know that that number came in less than what Max Scherzer got, right? The Rangers come over the top with the five-year offer, and the Mets were never going to go that far with the amount of guaranteed money that he got. So whether he approached the Mets and and said, you know, here's my offer, will you match it or not? You know, he was getting from the Mets side that they were looking short-term on. Jacob deGrom gets a franchise in the Rangers that, really try to woo him to come in. They 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 wind him and dine him. They 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 show him how much he means them, that he's the piece that's going to legitimize their franchise. And ultimately I think he decides that that's the better offer. That's the team that's more aggressive in pursuing me. So you know I, I think that the Mets would have been happy for DeGrom to return, but it dis- doesn't really feel like they were going that extra mile to say, hey, you're our guy. You know, you, we we want to see forty eight retired, and we like. I don't think they went that far to sign him, and it's probably because after two years of him not being, you know, uh, available enough to them, 
there was probably a sour taste in the mouth a little bit. And when you have a, a chance to get a guy that pitched to a one seven five ERA last year and want to Cy Young and get him on a short term deal, I think that I think the Mets got what they wanted ultimately. Right, right. And then also like the Grom and his personality, and maybe you uh, agree or disagree, but I I felt like eventually he was going to sour on being in New York, and he would yeah, want to yeah. go to a team that just is not much in the spotlight. I think if the New York Mets offered Jacob DeGrom five years and 138 or whatever the exact number was, and that was their first offer, Jacob DeGrom would still be a Met. I I really do believe Mm -hmm. that. But I also think that Jacob DeGrom is probably relieved to be living in Texas, to to be, you know, out of the spotlight, and he just gets to relax and, you know, who knows? I mean, not, 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 it's not going to be competing because we know Jacob DeGrom is an incredible competitor, but relax from the pressure a little bit, just go out and do his thing. And I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Jacob DeGrom won a Cy Young this year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he be... makes 30 starts, I, I think <laughs> right. he's the Cy Young in the American League. Right, right. Because I mean, who, who's his competition? I mean, even Severino is down from what I heard uh, yesterday. They, they, I mean, they like, I, I think. You know, Shohei is, is probably gonna, you know, the contract. Like, if Shohei stays in the American League, he's one. Uh, there's a couple guys, Garrett Cole, maybe, you know, but, uh, you know, Jacob DeGrom's healthy. Jacob DeGrom's still the best pitcher in baseball. And so when it comes to October, you know, that might be the one time a year where Verlander doesn't show up. You might be kind of regretting this one, but I think throughout a majority of this season, Mets fans would be pretty happy with Justin Verlander. Word up, man. All right, so let's get into like some of the offseason moves. So after the whole fiasco with the DeGrom thing, then the Mets kicked into gear and they started making some decisions. So here's some of the uh the moves that they made. Uh Nimmo at eight years at 162 mil. Um Edwin Diaz, you know, rest in peace. <laughs> Five years, 102 mil. Uh Verlander, he got two years, 86.6. We signed this individual from Korea, which not many people really knew about. He didn't start really gaining like like in the middle of the season when they started talking about like, you know, uh, free agent signings and international, that's when the Kodai Singh, his name started to really generate buzz. But he got five years at 75. We picked up uh, lefty uh, Jose Quintana at two years, 26. And then we picked up some catching depth at uh, Omar Narvaez at two years, 15. Uh, what are your thoughts on these moves? And uh, do you approve on some of them? Don't approve like the numbers or the years? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I really like uh, what they did with with their own guys. I, I like, I mean, obviously the Edwin Diaz now, we can look back on it, but you know, that was a little bit of a freak injury. So I, I think that Edwin Diaz, that was a good signing. You know, Nimmo coming back, I liked that because you know, how are you going to replace Nimmo was a big question on the offensive side. Um, and now you replace him by just keeping him. So I think that was good. The Jeff McNeil extension was amazing. I love that yes. deal at the end of the offseason. Yes. So so all that I loved. As far as the new additions, I think you know, the rotation, Verlander and Sanga, to me, it's – I think you feel better about, like I've already kind of talked about, getting the health of Verlander compared to DeGrom. I think Kodai Sanga in a playoff series – has a chance to be better than a Chris Bassett was. So I, I like the way they reshuffle that. I think David Peterson's going to step up in that rotation a lot this year as well. So I think the rotation's good. The bullpen, I mean, you could say they lost Diaz, but they went into the offseason with just Drew Smith on the roster. So you bring in Adam Adovino and Brooks Raley, uh, or bring back Adovino, bring in Brooks Raley, sign David Robertson, who's probably going to close with Edwin Diaz out. He's got a lot of closing experience. 
they did a good job bringing a lot of depth. They really filled out their their bullpen and their rotation. And, and as far as the lineup, they didn't do much. But Nervaez was a guy that they signed as a Venezuelan catcher who's the perfect mentor for their top prospect, a Venezuelan catcher, Francisco Alvarez. So I think that's going to show up in a lot of ways. Um, and then, you know, I, the Tommy Pham edition was the last thing that they did. It's probably the only signing I didn't really like. I feel right. like I would have been happier if they kept that roster spot open for one of the prospects to rest of the service. And Pham hasn't been great the last couple of years. But overall, not a lot of complaints when your team spends and is as aggressive as the Mets were. Right, right. Um, what are your thoughts on Sanger? Because I've watched him pitch in spring, and and I'm trying to look at how the batters react to his pitching and how much contact they're making. And, I mean, he's killing dudes. like Yeah. And that ghost, whatever, fork, fork ball. So, to me, I mean, he's major league ready. What are your thoughts? Oh, for sure. I mean, he's, he's going to be, you know, technically they're going to have him slated as the four starter, and that's just because there's – more off days in the schedule so you can get him more rest throughout the year by doing that. Uh, but he's your three in this rotation, and he's really good. He was dealing with a finger issue because of that split. And so last outing, he just goes like fastball cutter slider without his best pitch and his carving dudes. So yeah. that, that tells me that his stuff is really good. When he gets that ghost fork back into play, he's going to strike out a lot of batters this year. Uh, he's going to be, I mean, he's a, a pretty sneaky, not even sneaky, really. He's got to be one of the favorites rookie of the year. Uh, you know, it's, it's him. It's, it's Corbin Carroll for the diamondbacks, but, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be in that rotation every fifth day. So, or I guess for him, maybe it's once a week, but regardless, we're going to see probably 25 starts of this guy. Right. He can, he can make a huge impact. Right. Right. And, and another thing that I noticed when he's pitching is when he does start getting hit or whatever, because of a home run. He recovers quickly. He it doesn't. You could tell it doesn't dwell. He doesn't dwell on like his mistakes or anything, which is good. Yeah. That shows uh maturity, like a lot of maturity. So let, let's get into like uh the injuries because this is gonna factor into like the depth part of the Mets, right? So unfortunately, we lost Diaz, and I wanted to ask you about that too because I I, I heard that that game that he closed out, he might have tweaked something, and then the jumping up and down after the celebration is what kind of screwed him up did you yeah. hear anything about that uh not necessarily i did hear that you know the it was the celebration where you know ultimately the tear took place which is unfortunate and you know it's it's one of those things now where you're hoping that he can come back at the end of the season but it, you know it's there's every chance that we just saw kind of the last of Diaz this year so uh it, it's an unfortunate injury but you know actually it could have happened anytime right so uh, it is what it is at this point. Luckily, they have some guys to fill in. Right. Uh, it reminded me of the Kendry's Morales. I don't know if you remember that. Kendry's Morales. I remember injury. that one. Kendry's Morales uh, was like the switch hitting, like uh, Cuban born player, uh, powerful guy. Um, and he wound up hitting a home run. And then they were waiting for him at the plate. And then he jumped on the plate and slipped. And then his career. Oh, was, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And it sucks because, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it didn't happen while he was playing. It happened him celebrating. Um, You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of crazy. <laughs> I remember Sean Rodriguez when he was he right. punched the, the Gatorade cooler and broke his hand. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs> so with Diaz gone, obviously, you have to have people step up. So who do you think steps up in the place of Diaz? Who's their closer now that Diaz is not with us? It's David Robertson. Uh, okay. You know, he's he saved you know 25 games last year. 
He's closed for the Yankees before. Uh, still a really effective pitcher despite his age. So I, I think he's kind of the clear-cut guy. Um, Adam Adovina will get some opportunities. They'll, they'll mix it up if it's not working. But I think David Robertson is the closer this year. And honestly, I think that's fine. I, I just wonder. It, it, I'm less. I'm less concerned about the closer spot and the fact that they don't have Robertson now in the seven eighth inning spot. So it's more, you know, who's going to step up alongside him and Adovino now? You need some more arms to kind of fill in the gaps. Right. There, there's a pitcher that just went down that I really like, uh, Montes de Oca. Yeah. I I just see him being special down the line. He's got this nasty-ass pitch that goes from the inside to the outside that yeah. I didn't see him use really even last year when he was pitching for us. But And he's a big dude, too. Uh, I'm just mad that he went down. I think he would have helped us out. Um, but I, I when think he does come back, this yeah. year. Yeah, you'll see him this year. He, he's He's got a chance. I mean, the, the question is, can he throw strikes? But if he throws that thing over the plate, it's going to be damn hard to hit. So, right, uh, it, it's nasty. Um, yeah. And I see him as possibly a future closer. Maybe not he for us. Be. Could be. So um, another thing with the injuries, uh, Jose Quintana. Now, I'm not really worried too much about him, but what do you think uh, with him going down and uh, David Peterson specifically this spring just being unhittable, uh, do you think he's taking Quintana's spot essentially? I, I hope so. You know, they've, they've kind of made it seem like a competition between him and Gil. Um, but if it was a competition, Peterson it, won that competition. Is there a competition? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's been, I think it's one hit, no earned runs in the entire spring. Um, and he was great last year. I mean, people don't really realize how good he was. Um, pitching in, in, in an inconsistent role in the bullpen, back in the rotation, back and forth. Uh, and he found a way to, to be really successful. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, I think that he's, if you look at the future of the Mets rotation, not to say David Peterson's the ace, but he's the guy that's under control that I think can be a number three starter for the next five years. Um, so that's that's important to have, especially when you're spending $86 million on the top two guys in your rotation right now. What do you think he's doing different? What do you think clicked for him differently this spring as opposed to in the past? Was it more like a youth thing? Maybe he was young back then and now he's more mature. Like, what do you think? Clicked? Yeah. I think, you know, David Peterson went into this spring knowing that, you know, originally he might have been pitching out of the bullpen. He, who knows? All he could control is himself in that situation. Katana goes down, an opportunity opens, and he was not going to let anyone else kind of grab it. He came with his best stuff in spring training, and if you know, you're a starting pitcher as talented as he is and you're facing hitters that are kind of cold, you're going to carve him up. Now, that's not to say that David Peterson is going to pitch to a zero ERA this year. Guys are gonna hit him, but the difference in him now is I think he's he's got the experience under his belt. He he knows that he's got to execute his game, and his game is damn good with the fact that he's you know he's six foot six. He's a big guy. Yep. That fastball has ticked up. It's now at ninety four. That comes in pretty hard for hitters. He's worked that fastball up in the zone. His slider is nasty. It was one of the most effective sliders in baseball last year. Batters basically swung and missed at that pitch. You know, over 40% of the time, I think it was in 47% of the time. So it, it's, he's got a, an arsenal to, to get swings and misses, to get strikeouts. And that's going to allow him to be very successful in the league this year. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think he's, I think he's always had the talent. He probably either didn't realize it or he just was getting in his own way. And I think right now something clicked and he's like, yeah, I gotta, I think he real, uh, realizes probably might, might be his last chance, you know, a f- former first round pick, you know I mean? Yeah. 
you know, I think he's he's kind of announced himself that I'm a starting pitcher in the big leagues and I deserve a spot in this rotation. And, uh, you know, if he's great to start the year when Quintana comes back, I mean, he's going to hold on to that spot and he'll have to figure out a way to, to work Quintana in somewhere. But uh, those things work themselves out most times. Someone else. Yeah, because to me, he was very similar. And when we when, they, when we first called him up and everything, he's very similar to like Matt's. That's what worried me about him is that Matt's has mega talent, but just can't put it together. And he was kind of like on that. And I feel like hopefully this year he's going to be able to do that. Yeah. So w- with depth, every team wants depth and depth is great, especially if the depth contributes. Um, even with these injuries, right, and being able to fill these holes, are you satisfied with our depth? And what else do you think we might need or have to add? You know, I, I think their depth is pretty strong. Um, they're in the rotation beyond the, the five guys that they're probably going to roll with. You still do have McGill as an option. Uh, you have Joey Lucchese, who's coming off Tommy John. He's an option. Uh, you know, they just signed a Dylan Bundy to, to throw probably in Syracuse. So I think that they're doing well on depth. They're doing well in depth in the bullpen. I, I do wonder about kind of the depth of high leverage arms in that bullpen with Diaz going down. Like that's one area to keep an eye on. You're going to need a Montes de Aca. You're going to need, you know, Drew Smith. You're going to need one of these guys to to step in. Um, beyond that, you know, I think looking at their lineup, it's just how many impact bats do they have? Is Daniel Vogel back as good as he was last year? That's a question to be answered. When do we see the kids come up? You know, but uh, assuming, you know, everyone kind of plays their potential, I think they're a pretty complete team. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, my only issue with with the Mets, like if I had to pick a player, and it's not to pick on them per se, is Vogelback. He's got power and he makes contact. But to me, he's a base clogger, and I don't think the Mets need someone like that. I mean, and then I, I, I think like a player like that forces you to make certain moves and decisions you really might not want to make. So, for instance, like if, if Vientos was the DH – and he gets on base, you're not worried about him clogging up the bases. You don't have to put in a pinch runner and waste a player. But with Vogelback, you kind of do. You know what I mean? So you're kind of more like writing on the fact that, oh, Vogelback comes up. If he hits a home run, you don't have to worry about that. He puts a run on the board. You don't have to worry about the bases being clogged. But, you know, he's not going first to third on a base hit. So you're going to have to put a pinch hitter, especially in those crucial moments t- towards the end of uh, – you know, a game or something. So, I mean, as much as he may be a great person, I just don't feel like he's a good fit for the Mets. Like, well, at least I, I will, him, you know, I, you know, so I, I will say he did show up to camp, lost a little bit of weight. Uh, you'd be surprised that that, that guy, he's not going to steal any bases, but you know, there's like sneaky athleticism, right? He, he's like, if you tell, I don't think that the difference between him and Mark Vantos running first or third is as great as it should look is, is what I'd say. <laughs> okay, you know, okay. Ultimately my problem with Vogelback is similar to yours in the sense that a lot of his value is getting on base and he draws a lot of walks. You want him driving the baseball more than he did last year. You know, if, if Vogelback is hitting 18 home runs and getting on base at a 370 clip, and I could trade that for him getting on base at a 330 clip and hitting 30 home runs, I want more power out of him. I think that it it'll probably work itself out if the prospects are as good as they they should be. You could see Alvarez getting some DH time. You could see Vientos. You could see Beatty. I mean, outside, outside, outside chance of Mauricio. 
I, I think that it, it could be sorted out. But for now, he's a lot better option than J.D. Davis and Dominus Smith were at the start of last season. So right. in that sense, it's an upgrade. I got you, brother. I hope he proves me wrong. I want him yeah. to prove me wrong, actually. All right, so you you did a show Friday with uh, Jordan Grossman on the top prospect list. And this is what I love about you, Ryan. I, this is what makes me like always tune into your show, is that you don't follow the status quo. Um, kind of go against the grain, but not on purpose. Like if it's legit, you'll go against the grain. And I've always thought that Brady was the top prospect, always from the beginning, even over Alvarez. And here's why, because with Alvarez, you have all these comps that they make. He's, you know, he hits like a, he could be a Miguel Cabrera. He got like 40 plus home run power, all this stuff, right? So everybody's focused on him. They got all these fantasies, but nobody really talks like that about Beatty. But he's proven himself in the minor league time and time again. I mean, he's gotten better. So has Alvarez. I'm not knocking Alvarez. I'm just saying, like, as a complete player, I feel like Beatty's more complete because he may not be a gold glove uh, third baseman, but he 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 can play there. He, he he's average at least. Alvarez still has to work on his defense, you know. So, give me your idea of why you think Beatty's the better. If it's not the same as mine, but just give yeah. me an idea of why you think Beatty's the top prospect. The yeah, real top it does. Prospect. It does echo yours a little bit. I mean, ultimately, at times, I think prospect rankings. It's kind of like, you know, when you draft the quarterback first, but the quarterback's not necessarily the the better player, where at times, you know, because a player plays catcher or shortstop, they get kind of a, a notch up in rankings, which is fine. And, and, and I understand that an all-star two-way catcher is more value, more valuable than Beatty could ever be because there's a lot of third basemen. You know, you look at the Mets, like Vientos could play third one day. Mauricio could play third one day. So, so I understand why people put, you know, the catcher first. But to me, I am pretty confident that Brett Beatty is going to be an above-average hitter. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not entirely confident yet that Alvarez is. I like Beatty. You know, he he took the issues he had in 2021, hitting the ball on the ground too much. He lifted last year. He got so much better. He was the best hitter in that league. He has proven enough to me that I say, I know this guy's going to give me good MLB at bats. Alvarez, he still has some things that they get ironed out, not just the defense. He can be exposed by high heat. There's guys that can kind of blow him away up in the zone, and he's got to figure that out still. So I think there's just more room for growth on Alvarez, and I just think Beatty is the sure thing at this point. So to me, if I think that he's going to be a sure thing, above average third baseman right now that could put him in the lineup, why am I not saying that's the top prospect when this guy could be amazing this year? Right, right. Like when you – when you watch prospects, if you're a fan of baseball and you watch prospects, you tend to like compare them to others. It's it's just natural. Like, you know, everybody's comparing Alvarez to kind of like a, like I said, a Miguel Cabrera type type hitter to me. Um, and your dad might appreciate this. I, I compare Beatty to like a Dave Magadan, but with more okay. pop because just the contact, the way the ball just, uh, just like flies off of his bat. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's it, it's it's weird how like you know Alvarez because he's got the label as catcher, even though his improvements are in the defensive part, the the, the job that he has to do, which is to catch, you know, he he still gets a, a notch above you know Beatty in, yeah. in that respect. I, I never really understood that. Um, I, I, another, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a current comp on Beatty that just kind of came into my head. 
uh not necessarily that their swings are entirely identical but just the, the contact that they can make getting on base with a good clip kind of the decisions they make and hitting the ball really hard then christian yelich you know when christian yeah. yelich was at his best like i i think you know Beatty is the type of guy that can kind of one season he might pop off and hit 30 but he's consistently going to hit for a high average get on base and and have his extra base hit so uh, that's a comp and kind of current baseball that I think of that I like a little bit. Yeah, that first home run that he hit in the majors, Beatty. I mean, I thought it was a fly ball, but yeah. it just kept carrying and carrying. But it, his swing was so effortless. And if and if he puts, you know, he's going to grow more into his body. Just imagine he's going to create more torque in his swing. He's, he's He could probably be a 30 home run hitter easily uh, yeah. as he gets older. So Alvarez getting sent down. Um when they interviewed him, you know, you could tell he was disappointed, but he took it in stride. Were you understanding as to why they sent him down? Yeah, he was the one that I have no kind of qualms with. I, I was, I, I thought that he should go down. Um, you know, he's got a lot to work on still. And, and you know, at, at 21 years old, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he really hasn't experienced triple A, go down there, spend a good part of the season there, play every day, learn all you can. And then, We'll see him at some point this year, I think. I mean, I think by the All-Star break, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was the starting catcher of the Mets. Do you see him profiling maybe in another position? Or, or is he just a catcher for the I, rest I, of his life? No, I think he'd catch or DH, you know. I, I think that we're seeing teams kind of skew, especially if you have a good offensive catcher or two good offensive catchers. But even if you have just a one really good one, keep them off their feet a little bit. You know, it's kind of doing what you wish you could have done with Mike Piazza back in the day. So I think catcher DH is probably – and he could see more time in DH early. Like it could be very similar to William Contreras with the Braves last year where, you know, he's maybe catching a day a week and, and getting more time at DH. Right. And I know it's a good problem to have, but you, you also have Parada in the wings. So what yeah. do the Mets do then? I mean <laughs> – It's a problem It's a problem when it becomes one, right? You know, It's right, a problem right. when both of them prove that they're MLB catchers offensively and defensively and then – you know, you can you can get by with it though. You know, if if the two of them are good enough hitters that it warrants both of them being in the starting lineup, they can both be in the starting lineup. Also, Kevin Parada. I mean, if you look at trade deadline assets for the Mets this year, Kevin Parada and Ronnie Mauricio are the two that I think are the most likely to be moved if they have to move a right. top prospect. Right. I was gonna bring up like uh, like Vientos right now and 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 Mauricio him because, as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we have depth now. And you can't put a person in a spot that doesn't exist. So we don't have many spots left right now. So Vientos and Mauricio, what are they and uh, what can they become? Because we we pretty much, like DH, we could put anybody in DH, yeah. you know? Uh, you know, I think, you know, Mark Vientos is in kind of a similar spot that we've seen other Mets at, you know, Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, where... You know, they're good enough to be MLB hitters, but it's a matter of finding them a position in a, in a spot in the lineup. So we'll see what happens with Vientos. I mean, I, I think, you know, on the right team with the right amount of plate appearances, it's a guy that could hit 40 home runs in the big league. That's the type of power he has. But, you know, how how effective is he going to be in a role? I think the, the best part about Vientos this year is that they still have an answer that need to have a, someone who can match against lefties. And I really think that Vientos could be that guy right now. And, and that could be a role for him. So if he can learn to thrive in that specific role, I mean, he could be coming off your bench this year, hitting 10 to 15 home runs against right. left-handed pitching. Um, as far as Ronnie Mauricio, he's got a lot more to prove still. 
you know, Vientos did it in AAA last year. Marisha still has to go to AAA. Had great numbers in the Dominican Winter League. Started off camp hot. Got a lot of playing time at camp and still finished with an on-base percentage below 300. So you still see that there's there is there's a ton of talent there. You might say Mauricio has the most power in the system. That's over Alvarez. I mean, his power is insane, yeah. but he still has to figure out how to hit. Yeah, he reminds me of like a power-wise and, again, effortless swing of an O'Neill Cruz from Pittsburgh. Just one yeah, of those big guys, just, big levers. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. even think they know how much power they have. That's how much power they yeah. have, you know? Um, all right. So uh, any other intriguing prospects that we should be looking out for that might get our attention this coming season? Well, to, for the big league team, um, you know, I, I think like Jose Budo is a guy you're probably going to see uh, just because he's starter depth. And, and I think he can be solid. Like I, I think if he has to get five, 10 starts this year, you'd be okay. Um, as far as like guys to watch, like Jet Williams is an exciting prospect they just drafted. So we'll see where he plays. I'm guessing St. Lucie, um, and how effective he is. Alex Ramirez is always going to be interesting. You know, last year he got out to Brooklyn. How soon before he's in double A? Uh, you know, that's a guy that could be the center fielder of the future for the Mets. So they got a lot of talent right now. You know, it's just a matter of, um, you know, seeing where they slide in. As far as the big league team, though, I think it's mostly going to be the three guys we've spent all of our time talking about. Yep. yep. Um, and then the occasional, you know, you have your Montes de Oca, you have your your Budo, some of those guys that'll that'll get some run. And then as far as like uh, pitching prospects, because uh, I know that Allen's down, and Mets, you know, they have a history of 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 generating great pitchers. You know, bringing up you know really good pitchers. What what do we have as far as pitching prospects outside of Allen and uh, Budo? Well- yeah, so I mean, Allen now, I mean, you know, he's he's dropping because you don't know when he's going to pitch. I mean, he's probably not going to pitch this. He's definitely going to pitch this year. Who knows when he pitches next year? Um, Blade Tidwell is the guy they just drafted. He's really good. That that's their top pitching prospect now. Um, I imagine he starts in St. Lucie, but you know, college arm that could rise quickly. So he he's the the highest upside guy to watch. Uh, Dominic Hamill had a great season last year. I think he was their pitcher of the year in the organization. Uh, had success in low A and high A. So he's someone that I, I don't think you'll see this year, but potentially 2024, he could factor into the mix as far as the rotation. And other than that, they got some guys, Mike Vassell, uh, you know, kind of a similar place as, as Hamill, as far as where he's going to be. Um, Christian Scott's in the lower levels. They got um, one of the guys, oh, Calvin Ziegler. He was yeah. the, the last the last guy in my top 10. I was going to ask you about Ziegler because he, I, I felt like he's been with the organization for a while, you know. Yeah, he I think he was drafted in, in 2020, um in 2019 or 2020. Um but you know, at high school, one of those guys, I think he struck out, you know, 14 batters per nine. So he struck out a lot of guys last year. He walked a lot of guys. So it's another of these guys you kind of have to teach how to pitch, but the raw stuff is really impressive. Awesome, brother. Um so let's kind of we're going to go back and then forward a little bit, because uh, what I'm about to talk about kind of has to do with what's going on right now, what happened yesterday. OK, so the Correa deal didn't go through because of the injury, whatever. But if we did sign Correa, that would have not created a problem for us. It would have created a problem for Beatty because Beatty is not out of a position and now he has to go down to the minors and learn a new position, you know, left field. You know, it would have shook a lot of things up, but we didn't sign Correa. Um, so yesterday, the decision was made to send down Vientos and Beatty 
Um, and you kind of already were hinting on the fact that if they send Beatty down, it was wasn't going to be that great of a decision. And I agree with that. So talk about that, the decision to send Beatty down and your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those situations where the Mets are playing the long game here and they know there's going to be injuries and it's going to open up time for them. And I also am not surprised with an old school manager like Buck Showalter to say, let's let these guys go to AAA and, and earn it, which which is, is all fine and well. Um, it just seems like it was kind of painted to, to us that there was going to be a chance in spring training. Maybe we were reading into it too much, uh, but you know, Beatty showed everything that you would have wanted him to show to grab that job. He showed he's good at third base defensively. I think he's a better defender than Escobar. And For offensively, sure. he got on base at a really good clip and showed that he can have competitive at-bats. I just think that the upside is so much higher, and, and it's the bar that you're climbing. If, if you know, like you said, Carlos Correa is there, well, no question he's starting in AAA. Eduardo Escobar, not to knock him, you know, he, he finished with an above-average season last year. It was carried by an amazing September. Right. There was about four months of the season where this guy was a below average player. And that's defensively and facing right-handed pitching. I think Escobar coming off the bench, facing lefties primarily as a third base DH, even makes a little bit of time at second. He's way more valuable in that role. Beatty is the most valuable third baseman they have. So I just would have figured you'd put your most talented team out there come opening day and try to win right now. Uh, they're prioritizing, you know, keeping all the MLB veterans because they think at some point one of these guys goes down and that'll open up time for the kids. So I, yeah. I guess it's, it's a different philosophy <laughs> in what they're prioritizing. I know it's weird because, I mean, you think about it and you've watched baseball for a long enough time. So it's not like you're new to the sport. I'm not new to the sport. You figure you put Beatty at third and then you make your bench stronger by having Escobar there, you know, or he could platoon with Vogelback. So he'll be... When lefties are in, he'll be in. And then when righties are in, Vogelback will be in, you know. So I, I didn't understand the decision. And then with the Vientos thing, you said it on your 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 podcast this morning. There's no there's nothing left for him to do in AAA. Yeah. Like, he's just going down there just to get at bats because there's not a spot left for him. And then you take into the account they have the FAM signing, which he's not doing that great in spring. You also said it in the podcast uh, this morning and on Friday. He hasn't had a good major league season. He hasn't really contributed to a team effectively in, in like two and a half, three years, you know? Um, so, I mean, the, the the decision essentially focuses on Ruff and Fam on the roster. Um, how do we measure the talents of our youths if, if we're not giving them the opportunities that they deserve? Uh, yeah. So what does this emotionally do to a person? Let's say like Beatty, because, you know, Beatty knows he that's his position. He should be there. What does that do emotionally to a person like like him? Well, it's good. It's a good challenge for them still, obviously. Go down, prove it. Um, you know, are you going to wallow in it that you have to start in AAA? Are you going to show that they made a mistake and you need to be up? So I think in that sense, I think both of them can and will rise to the occasion. I do think you, you kind of bring up an interesting point on Vientos because as much as it sucks for Beatty to maybe know he's the best third baseman on the team, he at least hasn't played in AAA. So so at least when they say, hey, you haven't played in that league yet, that's one of the steps in the development process. Go play it. Okay. Mark Vientos did it last year. He spent the entire season there. And he's probably looking and comparing himself to a Darren Ruff. Be like, I'm a better hitter than that dude. He's 36. Uh, you know, he's got arthritis in his wrist. 
and I'm, you know, whatever Vienza says, 23, 24, you know, in the prime of my life, you know, hitting tanks all the time. Like, listen, I, I can, I can be that guy right now. What are we doing here? So I, I think, you know, for, for Vientos, we'll see how he starts the season. Cause if he's tearing the cover off the ball in triple a and Darren Ruff starts off one for 20, the cries are only going to get louder from the fan base to, to make a, a move now. And I think there's every chance that because of the way the roster is made up, that we do see Vientos before Beatty this year. Um, there's also the fact that if they keep Beatty in AAA until June 3rd, they get an extra year of, of control on him. I don't know if they care about control on Vientos as much as they probably do on Beatty. Right, right. But, but you know, again, as a fan, and I'm pretty sure you think of this as well, last year, if we would have won just one more game, we wouldn't have been in the situation where we're giving up the the division to our rivals. And so if he is going one for 20, you know, fam and rough, you know, that that's a, such a waste of time. Not to guarantee that Vientos or Beatty come in and right away they win us games. But I'm just saying, like, you, we're going to be thinking about those things when when the season's near the end. Well, and let's say we're one or game one or two games out or ahead you know what i mean yeah it's it's frustrating and and that's what you're gonna be thinking about the one thing i will give the match credit on is it's gonna be a lot easier to punt on three million of rough or you know six million of fan than it was to to eat 20 plus million of cano last year so you know the fact that they did that i imagine they will make that tough call if they have to uh, we'll just see. You never know. Maybe the veterans do do play well to start the right. season. I mean, you can't count them out. You know, Darren Ruff does have a career of hitting left-handed pitching. Right. Uh, it just hasn't looked good in a Mets uniform. Right. I got you, brother. And as much as sexy as it is to have prospects come and contribute and do things, in the end, as a fan, you just want the team to win games. You know, you don't care how yeah. we win them. We just we just want to win them. Um, so let's get into like you know the season that's coming up. Uh, who will be the MVP for the 2023 Mets? And will that person, could could that person possibly win uh, MLB MVP for the National League? I think it's Francisco Lindor. And... I know, I, I know, brother. Yeah. I heard you, brother. I heard you. Go ahead. Tell me yeah, why. It's Lindor because, you know, look, as far as, um, you know, most valuable in the sense of who's the most valuable hitter in the lineup, it's Pete Alonso. But most valuable to the baseball team, it's Lindor at shortstop. Yeah, the elimination of the shift, that's going to make him more valuable with his range at the position being the best shortstop in baseball defensively. And I think that, you know, there's still even better season than what we saw last year. If you take last year's season and you remove slamming your finger in the door of the hotel, um, which I think kind of slowed his numbers for a month, we could have seen, you know, 30 plus home runs from Lindor and, uh, you know, even more production. So if there's one guy on this team that could win an MVP, it's Francisco Lindor. And I think ultimately the team goes as Lindor goes. He's got to carry them. Okay. Uh, who do you think will be the Mets Cy Young? That's tough. Because um, you have think, at least at least three people that can do it. Yeah. You know? I, I think uh, David Pete. No, um, it, it's got to be. <laughs> Go ahead. Say it, bro, if you want to. I'm not going to be mad at you, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I love my David Peterson hype train, but I'm not, I'm not that crazy on it. I, I think it's Scherzer. Um, but, you know, it's it's 1A, 1B Scherzer Verlander. But I think Scherzer, uh, you know, just I, I think that there's going to be a healthy competition between those two. And uh, I think Scherzer 
is going to rise to it a little bit more and he's going to, he's going to be kind of the, the, the ace of the two, but I think they're both going to be awesome, honestly. Okay. So concerning you, you mentioned the word healthy, the fact that we got two older pitchers. Are you concerned at all a little bit about that? The age of these two guys? I, I mean, you know, I think what I'm only concerned about isn't really the regular season. It's how much are they going to have left in the tank when you get to October? Um, and that's what the Mets got to manage. You know, these guys are going to want to take the ball every fifth day and throw 200 plus innings. Maybe it's better to keep them at 150 apiece um, and preserve them for that stretch run. So I think that's more what I'm worried about for the regular season. I'm not really worried about these guys. Yeah, they're, they're competitors. So I could imagine they're going to say, no, no 150, especially yeah. Scherzer. He's like, no, not 150. I'm pitching when I yeah. when it's my time to pitch. <laughs> okay, exactly. so my brother, predict the best that you can, what our record could be, considering the improvements of our rivals, because our rivals did make some significant improvements. What do you think our record could be? It's it's interesting because, you know, I think that I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'm seeing like the over under at like 92 and a half now. I think that's an easy over. I think that they're going to win in the high 90s. I really do. Uh, but last year they won 101. So if you think it's a better team, do you think they're going to win more than 101 games? It's really tough. I think the bottom line is this division is going to come down to the Braves and the Mets. Uh, I think the Phillies are going to be fighting for a wild card again. And, you know, we'll kind of see how much that win total climbs to. But I bet you those two teams, whether it's, you know, 95 wins 93 wins or 103 wins they'll be within a couple of games of each other um it's going to be tight again right this was something that i've noticed that with the mets compared to like other teams in other divisions like you, you have inter-division rivals but for some reason like our division national league east they they're pests us even teams like the nationals and marlins they won't lay down to us whereas in other divisions you know the White Sox could be playing, you know, the the Guardians or one of the lesser teams, and they 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 just stomp all over them like no big deal. But for some reason, those other teams step up for us. So I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be tough. I don't see it being like an easy, you know, uh, ride to the top. Yeah. Um, last thing, uh, do you see us being World Series champs this year? Of course, <laughs> of course I do. We're in March. Gotcha. I got if you. If you're brother. not saying if you're not saying yes to that question in March, what kind of fan are you? Of course they're winning it all this year. They're winning it all this year, brother. All right. So thank you, bro. Just like one of your episodes, short but sweet, straight to the point. Um, plug where everyone can find you and even plug your sponsors, dude. Make some money, bro. So go ahead and plug your sponsors as well. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you, you can find uh find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan, find the show at Locked On Mets. You can find Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. I also with uh just baseball, the company I write for, I got a new podcast, Who's Better Baseball? Uh so check that out as well. It's kind of a, a comparative show. You know, it's it's as simple as the title. You know, every episode we break down who's better, whether it's two teams, two players. Uh so it's a fun new show, so you can check that out as well. Where's that gonna be at? It's everywhere, man. It's everywhere YouTube, too? Okay. YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, awesome, my man. Um, I want to see you again, brother, uh, towards yeah, the end of the sure. season so we can talk about the playoffs, you know, when we make the playoffs. And then if we win the World Series, I'm definitely going to have you back so we can talk about that, even if it's like a 10-minute episode. Um, Sounds good. But thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for spending time with me, and uh, I'll see you in a few months, brother. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. All right, my man. You too, brother. Later. Peace.